Welcome to Real Faith with Robbie and Janae today. You are listening to Faith FM Radio. We're so stoked to have you with us. What a beautiful day it is. How are you going today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great, Janae. Um, so this is the first time that we've had you on our show, and, mm-hmm. and I'm super excited that you're here to, to share with us. Super excited to have you on the show today, Janae, to, to help be a co-host. So tell us a little bit about yourself, because I, I, if I understand correctly, you are uh, currently in high school, and this is a work experience thing you've been doing with the radio so far this week yes so yeah i've been on year 10 work experience which comes around um for every year 10 student in new south wales um and i really wanted to come to do radio at faith fm because i thought it'd be a great experience um to get into broadcasting and just to see what it's like behind the scenes so it's been really awesome i've been with um lyle and lawson for the brekkie show and just watching from behind the scenes as well so it's been awesome that's heaps good and so so super quick question for you so what in the world has gotten you so excited about doing broadcasting. Not that it's a bad thing, yeah. but um, what has inspired you? Why Why are you interested in that area, if you don't mind my asking? Um, so I'm really interested in um, public speaking, just in general. I love the feeling of, you know, being able to share with people from the front. Naturally, I'm a very outgoing person, very talkative. So for me, this is kind of my way of expressing myself. Um, I thought, you know, there's no better way to do it than to you know, use that passion to share Jesus with other people. Oh, I love it. So good. So good. I, uh, I'm, I'm going to guarantee that you need to tell your parents that you've done this because eventually they'll get this up on the podcast and they'll be able to come back <laughs> and listen to it. They might even be listening right now. You never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's super exciting. Well, we're stoked to have you on the show today, Janae. Thank super you. stoked. So you're interested in doing that. You're still finishing school. You said you're yes. in year 10. Yes. And I, I had this moment today and I, I, I mentioned it before, but man, it's funny. You get older and you don't feel that much older and then you, somebody comes in to, to, that you meet and you're on the radio show and then all of a sudden you realize I was 18 years old when you were born <laughs> and all of a sudden you're starting to feel like man why does my neck hurt so much what's wrong with my back and my kidneys why, what's going on in my world <laughs> no but in all seriousness it's awesome to have you here it's super exciting to have somebody so young and vibrant to come and share the show and I, I love that you said that also one of the things that is so great is that you're using this opportunity here to broadcast not just anything, mm. but to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the people that the good people that are listening to this radio show. So sure. super excited. <laughs> so we've got a great show lined up for you guys today, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. We are currently in part three of our In the Beginning series. You could say it the way that you, you know, everybody imagines probably that it happened in the beginning, which is in the beginning. Right? <laughs> yep. But super excited that we're going to be going through Genesis chapter three today and talking about the fall of man. And we're also going to hear from our good friend Enhiki today, who's over here from Brazil. And uh, it's going to be a great show. You guys do not want to miss it. So hang around. We're going to be back right after this song. This is Chris Rice, Oh Love That Will Not Let Me Go. Flickering torch to thee My heart 
that restores its borrowed rain That in thy sunshine's blaze its day May brighter, fairer be with Robbie and Janae. You're listening to Faith FM Radio. And before we get into our next segment, I just wanted to do a shameless plug. I love shameless plugs. I do this in my church all the time as well. Shameless (laughs) plugs are the best kind. Shameful plugs are not so good. But our shameless plug is that we would absolutely love to hear from you guys. We've got our question of the week portion coming up at the end, and that's your opportunity to interact with us and for us to interact with you. So we would love to hear from you. Any questions that you have about God, spirituality, the Bible, etc. Could be a big question, could be a small question, could be theological, could be practical, could be anything you like. We'd love to hear from you. And you can do that by calling one 800 84 no, 1-800-324-843. <laughs> uh, that's 1-800-FAITH-FM or you can text us at 0491-064-669 that's 0491-064-669 and uh, it's now come that time of our show to mm-hmm. talk about what a weird and wonderful world God has made for us to live in so what do you have for us today Janae? Alright so I found something that I thought was really really interesting and it was actually that cows kill more people than sharks what? What? I know, right? How I crazy hate sharks. A, a cow. I'm terrified of sharks. They look so innocent. They're just, you know, eating their grass in the pasture. And it turns out that they actually kill more people. It says that sharks kill an average of five people per year. Is that? Whereas, hold on, hold on. Can, can you just say that again to me? I just need to hear that. that <laughs> I love to surf and I like to dive and be in the ocean. I just need to hear that just to quell my fears. What was that? Yeah, sharks kill an average of five people. Just per don't year. be one of the five. Per year. Yes. That's in the world? Uh, or is well, that in Australia? That seemed, it seemed like it was according to Australia, just because it's such oh, a small number. never mind. I wish I hadn't asked you to repeat that. Now I'm feeling well, panicked. don't be one no. of the five. That's <laughs> <laughs> yes, whereas cows apparently kill an average of 22 people. I have no idea what they're doing. 22 that kills- people. Wow. 
I, you know, they have this. such docile looking eyes. I mm-hmm. had an old student, in fact, who used to, she would just be like, I love cows. And she just like, <laughs> they just, she just thought they were the most peaceful things in the world. But she little did she know that they were planning a council, perhaps, <laughs> to fight back. Yep, little did she know. So Cow apocalypse people, that's, now. That's like a classroom <laughs> of children. Oh, wow. That's a pretty horrific sentence. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's making we'll it heavy. We'll just move away from the cows then. That's insane. Cows, wow. <laughs> yeah. All right. Also, dolphins can overcome sleep deprivation and remain constantly vigilant for days at a time by resting one half of their brain while the other half remains conscious. Really? I wish I could do that. I'm pretty sure that's a masculine trait. Um, mm. that, was, that was a bit of a joke. Mm. That's not really true. Mm. <laughs> but, but one thing that I... Here's an interesting fact that just comes to my mind based on this. Well, right. not based on this, but connected to this. Um, Dr. Arlene Taylor, she's a neuroscientist from Canada. Yes. In her book, she writes about how the male brain operates... The left, side, the left hemisphere of the male brain and the right hemisphere of the male brain can operate independently on two different things at one time, essentially. Yeah. Um, and they just have to be different kinds of tasks. So I can have a conversation and also be building something, like putting together the playground equipment, right? Uh-huh. But if, if it's something that requires both sides to be coordinating and talking to each other, it doesn't happen. That's really interesting. Yeah, we got to go to one of her you know, little seminars, and it was super interesting just like, learning that some of the kind of like myths that we think are true about like multitasking and stuff like that yeah, actually not real. aren't true it's crazy who would have thought yeah <laughs> you can you only multitasking is basically single tasking and then trying to rapidly single task on something else and come back yeah you're not actually doing two things at once it's crazy yeah it is pretty surprising another kind of unless you're a dude thing. and you're putting together a playground equipment and having a conversation that's the exception yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, um, another wacky fact: due to highly efficient kidneys that filter out the salt, cats are actually capable of drinking salt water, like seawater. You're kidding me! But just cats so weird. can drink salt water. Well, apparently. <laughs> wow, those cats! Wow, that's yeah. insane. That that actually Which is just like blows my mind. Interesting to think, considering that there's that whole thing that they don't like water, just full stop. But their kidneys are perfect for drinking. Salt water. Maybe the reason that they don't like water is simply because they're trying to keep their kidneys in good, healthy condition. <laughs> they don't want to overwork them. Mm-hmm. Cats seem to me, you know, I reckon people tend to be either more like dogs or more like cats. And what I mean by that is there's people who are like, like, like dogs always want to be your friend. doesn't matter what right. you did. But cats kind of like only want your attention when they want it. Mm-hmm. It's all about them. And I've met people that are kind of like both of those options. Yeah. And sometimes I wonder, which one am I? I'm probably more a cat. And that's, maybe I need to work on my character a little mm-hmm. bit there. Become more dog-like. That's very relatable. <laughs> yes, 100% agree with that. Um, and one last kind of very weird thing. A blue whale can make, actually, Robbie was talking about how much he loves whales. And whales he thinks are they're the best. so cool. A blue whale can make a gas bubble big enough to fit a horse in it. Is that what kind of gas is that talking about? Is that like wind? Like, like <laughs> I just passed got a gas that kind of yes. Gas. Oh my goodness gracious! So you're you're telling me that if a blue whale toots, that you could fit a horse inside the air bubbles that that contains? Pretty much. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I know. Who measures it? How do they? How do they? That's a great question. This kind of information. I'm a bit, you know, this concerned. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, those are some amazing fun facts about the amazing animals that God has made. We're going to be back right after this break. This is the corner room.
child. I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. I gave up childish ways. Now we see in a mirror but then face to face.
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Janae, and we are super excited to have you guys along with us. It's now come that portion of the show where we're going to hear a bit of a real-life story from somebody modern day and how God's been working in their life. And we've got our good friend, Inhiki. How are you going today, Inhiki? Good, and you? I'm doing great, man. So uh, we're stoked to have you on here, brother. Would you tell us a little bit about yourself before we hear a bit of your story? Okay, I'm from, I'm a little Brazilian. A little Brazilian? (laughs) Yeah. Little as in you're not very tall, or you're you're only partially Brazilian? No, yeah, we we, we just say that in Portuguese, like, we are just little Brazilians. Uh, (laughs) Love it. So, yeah, I'm from Amazon. Yeah, I I born, like, surround, like, my city was surrounded by the jungle. Uh, Yeah, but it was, like, a jungle made of concrete. Yeah, Manaus, right? Yeah, Manaus. So... Uh, yeah, I came to Australia with my wife. We work with communications here for the church. And yeah, that's that's me. Awesome, man. Well, we're so stoked to hear from you. Now, you were telling me before that your story today is a little bit about how God once saved you from a scam. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's hear your story, brother. We're super excited to have okay. you. Okay. Have you ever like received a call and was like a scam and you discovered right away or like you got a victim of a scam and didn't recognize that yeah yeah totally yeah like so i was on sabbath like i was uh two months to come to australia right right before we came to australia um in brazil and i was holding everything including my car so i announced that in a website Probably for for cars announces. So I was there, and uh, it was Sabbath morning actually. And in Brazil, I don't know here, but in Brazil, Sabbath is the best day to sell cars. Yeah. And I knew that. So I was at church talking. Uh, I, I think it was Sabbath school or something. But I was talking at that moment. I was uh, directing the moment and. Someone called me, and someone called me, and I didn't answer at the time. Probably is about the car. So I received a message saying, "Oh, see you uh, selling your car." And I said, and I thought, like, "Oh God, this is the best day. That's the best opportunity." But yeah, you know, it's Sabbath. Well, doesn't matter. You you are guiding me in this journey, so doesn't matter. So then I called back a few moments later just to, to say to this guy look I'm selling the car um, but today's Sabbath and I'm Sabbath, Seventh Day Adventist so I cannot sell this car today maybe to, tonight I can call you back and we oh, can I negotiate and he said oh okay that's that's fine and I got back to the church I was seated and I received a call for the same guy again I was like what what this guy is doing? <laughs> uh, and I, I answered the call, and he was like crying at the phone. I was like, "Oh, are you okay?" And he was like, "You know what? I'm in prison. So what? What happened is I I was calling you to try to schedule um, to to see the car, and I will send some guys with guns." To you and get your car. This is just a scam. And, uh, but when I call you and you said that you are a seven day Adventist, I want to say that I was seven day Adventist when I was young 
and my family just broke apart and um, I started to go to the crime and everything and now I'm in jail and you know what you said to me remember when I was a kid and I don't want to do that anymore you know I was pretty sure that I could get your car and sell the parts and everything but here we are like you you changed my day and I was like whoa thank you God because you you did that for me because if it was not I could be shooted or like they can could like stole my car and everything but God made this for me and I could give to this person my testimony wow Wow, what a story, man. So this guy calls up and he's he's saying he's going to buy your car, but he was actually planning to come and take it by force with weapons and yes. or harm you for it. Actually, he was wow. inside the jail, but he was like in contact with other criminals yeah. to do that for him. Wow. So God saved you, man. Yeah. And not only that, what an opportunity to, to share your testimony with this man. What an amazing story. Exactly. Like maybe I changed his life. I don't know, but I... You know, like, was a choice, like, sell my car on Sabbath or not, you know, and I just decided to not do, like, whatever, God, like, you are leading me, so I will follow you. Doesn't oh, matter. man, what a powerful story, man. Isn't it amazing that when we are just faithful to God in the little things that he asks us to be faithful, he demonstrates that he is faithful to us in all of the big things. Yes. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. Oh, I love that. What a story. Well, we got 30 seconds left. Is there anything else you'd like to say to our listeners? Uh, look, if you are in, like, in doubt and you don't know what to say in these situations, just, just follow what the Bible says and everything will be fine. I love it. Such good advice. Remember what Scripture says. Follow what God tells you to do. And uh, God will take care of the rest. He's in the business of doing that for exactly. his children. This is Andrew Peterson. Is he worthy? You could see it all made
deserve all blessing and honor and glory. Is He worthy of this? He is. Does the Father truly love us? Does the Spirit move among us? sure you tune into the breakfast show for giveaways, deep Bible discussions, magnificent music and noteworthy news. All that and much more every weekday morning on Faith FM. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Because you listen to Faith FM, we want to hear from you. Hmm. This is your opportunity to tell us what you think as part of an Australia-wide research project. To take part, just visit faithfm.com.au and follow the survey links. You'll also go into the running to win a $100 gift card. Your answers are anonymous and will really help our understanding of what we mean to you and will ensure Faith FM can continue to be a voice of hope into the future. Thank you for telling us what you think. Visit faithfm.com.au for all the details. You're listening to Real Faith, but it's not as real as it could be. Why, you ask? Because this isn't the live show. So as good as this is, the live show is where it's really at. Join us every Thursday from 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. so you can be involved live. Tis 
so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise just to know thus saith the Lord Jesus Jesus how trust Him, how I proved You more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Janae. You're listening to Faith FM Radio. And uh, today, for our Question of the Week giveaway, it's a surprise because I haven't decided yet. So we're going to tell you in a moment <laughs> what that is uh, at the next one. So at our next segment, after our next break, we're going to find out what the secret surprise is. But if you're like me and you like surprises, you can call in even now before we tell you what it is. And you can be the winner of the free giveaway today by sending in your questions to one 800 324 843. That's 1 800 Faith FM, or you can text us at 0491 064 669. 0491 064 669. And we would love to hear from you. So send in your questions, and you can be the winner of our surprise giveaway. Yay! But also, there's something else that's going on in the radio at the moment, and Janae's going to tell us a little bit about that. Yes, so we have a survey, and Faith FM just wants to hear from you, all of our amazing listeners. This is your opportunity to kind of help shape 
what we do here at Faith FM. So just let us know the things that you enjoy, the things that you'd like to hear more of. Um, it'd be really great to get your responses. All you have to do is visit faithfm.com.au and then follow the survey links. And when you do so, you'll also go into the running to win one of 10 $100 Visa gift cards, the best kind of reward you can get because it's money. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, it's, it's at least up there, you know. Yep. Money's a pretty good reward. It's not the best reward, but it's good. No, it's, it's good. It's a good reward. And the cool thing is it's not like one it's not like a Bunnings gift card where you can no. only spend it at Bunnings. Mm-hmm. Because it's a Visa gift card, you can spend it anywhere that accepts Visa. So that's yep. like you could go to the grocery store, you could go buy some headphones, you mm-hmm. could go buy some rock climbing shoes. You know, you could do whatever you want with these things. Really cool Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Love yep. it. So Check it out. Yeah. Yes. It's going to be good. All right. Well, we have come to that portion of our show where we get into our Bible study, and we're going to get into our study in Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1, but we're just going to start with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we just want to pray that you'd be with us now as we open your word, and may every person hear your words alone and not ours, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, have we got... Oh, I didn't ask you to do this before the break. Have you got scripture there in front yeah, of you? Awesome. <laughs> Winning. So we're going to start. We're in Genesis chapter 3. And just for a super quick revision, Genesis chapter 1, two weeks ago, we started off. And it gives the broad sweeping overview of scripture's story of how the world was created. God creates in six days all that there was. And the seventh day he rests. This is what we call Sabbath. The Hebrew word is Shabbat. It means to rest and that's our weekly cycle. It comes from this. Then Genesis chapter 2, it zooms in and replays basically the details of day 6 and God creating the man and the woman. And talking about that story, we talked about that last week. And I want to just refresh where it finished off. You've got Adam and Eve as we know them by their names later. But here in the story so far, it's Adam and the woman. And in Hebrew, it's Isha. And in this, it says that when God presents the woman to the man, he says, oh, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. In other words, not like the other animals that are different. This one is like me. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And then it says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And then it says this super super important fact that I think is just really helpful before we get into the story of Genesis chapter 3. It says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and notice, they were not ashamed. So you have this space where humanity at this point in time is totally connected to God, totally connected to one another, fully vulnerable, and yet fully secure. There's no shame in the story at all. They're fully exposed, but they're fully safe. Mm -hmm. And I love this. This is such an important thing to note. This was a perfect God who made perfect people in a perfect world who were living in perfect harmony. And that's how it was until we get to Genesis chapter Mm 3. So let's get into it. Did you like to read for us, Janae? Let's read verse 1. We're going to break this down a little bit piece by piece. All right, the four. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Awesome. Okay, what jumps out at you here? What's going on? He's questioning God, just straight up, first thing. I feel like that's the first thing that speaks to me. Totally. And who is it that's speaking? The serpent. The serpent. Okay, so we know from Revelation, we know from elsewhere in Scripture that the serpent is representative of who? The devil. It's the devil, right? So Revelation 12, verse, I think it's verse verse 8 and 9, says that, 
the the devil, the serpent, the great dragon, Satan gives all these names for him. So we have we have the devil in this space who is speaking to the woman. Now this is super fascinating because you're right, he's making an accusation, mm-hmm. right? And he starts off with this question, and this question is super interesting. You shall did God indeed say, right? If I said to you, for example, hey, did your did your mom really say that you couldn't watch that movie? Right? <laughs> if somebody says that to you in school, what are they implying? That you know that you don't know what you're talking about, that you shouldn't trust what that person has told you. Hundred percent. They're like, Oh, come on. <laughs> What's wrong with your mom not letting you watch the right? Yeah. The implication is that that person is restrictive. Right. That person is that person's pulling in the reins, man. They're keeping something from you. And so it's 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 super interesting. Has God really said you shall not eat from every tree of the garden as if to say, man, what great horrific restriction is God putting on you that you can't eat from every tree? But remember that God had said to them, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat except for one. Just one. Just one, right? <laughs> Here's a whole mountain range of freedom, hmm. and there's one tiny little restriction. So point number one here is that the devil's first point of attack is to start off what, I, what, we'll, what we'll call his three-pronged lie. And the first part is that he, he is implying that God is restrictive. Right. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Super interesting. Okay, so what happens next? Let's read verse two through three. Okay. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Awesome. Alright, so what is going on here? What does the woman say in response? So she's just basically repeating what God told them that, you know, of all of the things in the garden, we don't touch this one tree. Isn't that interesting? Now I want to point something out that I find I never hear anybody else talk about this, but I, it seems really significant to me. Notice when, when God spoke, let's, let's, we'll read it again. So just, this is Genesis chapter two, verse 16 and 17. And this is word for word what's recorded as God speaking to mankind. What was the restriction? Mm-hmm. Check this out. It says, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die, or in Hebrew, you dying, you shall die. Mm-hmm. Now check this out. She says, hey, God said we can eat from all of these trees in the garden, except for this one tree that's in the middle. And then she says something super interesting. She says, God has said you shall not eat it. Now that's true, correct? Right. And then she says, nor shall you touch it. Here's a question. Did God say you cannot touch the tree? Mm-mm. Now, why is this interesting? I think that this is super interesting. Now, now, first of all, that is not a bad idea. Right. <laughs> like, you can't eat something you're not touching. Right. But one thing that I think is super significant here is that she is adding something that's a helpful restriction to help create a safe boundary for herself. Mm-hmm. But it is not a boundary that God said is across the board for everybody. Right. Now, one thing that the reason I think that this is so significant is she starts engaging with the serpent, who's the devil, right? So she's starting to engage with the devil and to have a debate. Now, the devil's way smarter than we are. He's got Mm -hmm. a lot more experience. He's a lot more knowledgeable. He's been around a lot longer. And she starts to engage in a bit of a a philosophical debate here with, with the devil. That's not the wisest thing. Right. And she makes a huge error. 
She's quoting God, and then she adds something that is not what God said. And as soon as we start adding things to what God has said that he didn't say and mm-hmm. equating it with his word, what we wind up with is we wind up putting ourselves at risk of being deceived further. Right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So it's not that it's a bad idea. By the way, those, were, those are super good boundaries. For example, if you don't want to drink, then setting up to yourself some boundaries of, oh, well, I won't be in this place and at this time where I'm likely to be led into that. That's just smart, right? Yeah. Not touching the tree is going to help you not to eat from the tree. That's <laughs> obvious. Mm-hmm. But the moment that she says, no, 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 God said you can't eat it and you can't even touch it. She's now putting words into God's mouth that he didn't say, and she's putting herself at risk of being confused. Right. Because all of a sudden, now he's got arguments. Oh, man, he can he can attack on what she just said there and say, oh, man, whoa, what's wrong with God for saying you can't even touch it? Yeah. Right? And she can get misled on that point. Anyway, I think it's just a super interesting consideration that we should not, we should not add to our own restrictions that are good and healthy boundaries and say that this is applicable to everybody. You have to follow the boundaries that I've added to God's word to help me keep what God said, Mm -hmm. that we should really uphold what God says as what God says. And if we've got extra guidelines that are helpful, let's, let's make sure we call them what they are. Right. Anyway, I think it's just a super, super huge point. Definitely. All right. So how does the devil respond back to this? Let's read verse four and five. Right. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Whew. So what's his argument here? He's then claiming that, okay, all you have to do is take this fruit. And once you do it, you'll be just like God. Isn't that interesting? Definitely. So, so point number one, his first attack is, has God really said? And he casts doubt. Mm-hmm. So part number one is that he basically implies implies that God is not fair or liberally liberally giving. He's mm-hmm. he's restrictive. So he implies this. Point number two, he says, you will not die. Right. <laughs> so point number two is God is a liar. That's the second right. line of attack. And then the third line of attack is what you just said, Janae. Also, hey, God's keeping something back from you. Mm-hmm. You can be like God. You can, you can have his role. And, and it's so interesting if you think about kind of the implications of what he's saying there. Cause first he implies, then he opposes, and then he accuses God, right? So he implies that God is restrictive. He opposes God as being a liar. And then he accuses God of being selfish. Right. Isn't that interesting? Mm. And so he hits this, like this three pronged attack on who God is. And in this short little space, we have just kind of this opening up of, you know, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. All of these things are being attacked here and what's about to happen that he's tempting them to turn away from God. Super interesting. Super interesting. For sure. But it's just so challenging what, what he says is basically you have two choices here to the woman. He says you can either believe God and keep doing what you're doing mm. or you can believe me and you can be like God. Right. Right. This is a huge question. <laughs> For sure. Right? She didn't see God make anything. Right? God makes her last. She mm. wakes up. She doesn't see him make anything. Adam didn't see God make anything because he made the woman while he was asleep. <laughs> yeah. After everything else was made. So they have they have to exercise faith in God too. Mm. Isn't that fascinating? Yes. All right. So this is what happens. And the question is, how is she going to respond? Mm-hmm. 
So let's keep reading. Let's read the next couple of verses. Let's read 6 and 7. Right. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing for the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. All right. So check this out, right? She sees that the tree is good for food. Number one. She sees that it's pleasant to the eyes, number two, and that it's desirable to make one wise, number three. The lust of the, uh, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. All three of these things that first John tells us are the issues of sin. Right. All three of them are tempting to the person here, and she gives in to those three things. Mm. These are, it's, it's interesting that there's a connection here that when Jesus is tempted, he's tempted with three things. That right. are dealing with those same categorical things, right? Jesus mm. is being tempted with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And it all starts with food. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> right? Sometimes people think, oh man, Adam and Eve, they really messed it all up. Which of the Ten Commandments did they break? Well, it's, it's not like, it's not like the, what they did exactly is, is spelled out in the Ten Commandments. What they did was they chose to believe the lie. Mm. And they chose their allegiance by disobedience to what God had said. Right. Isn't that fascinating? And yeah. it, the issue was over food. Right? <laughs> Isn't it interesting that even that can be an issue? Because what's underneath was an act of worship. Mm. Who am I going to believe and serve? Mm. Fascinating stuff. What sticks out to you? Anything jump out at you in this part of the story? Yeah, kind of just what you were saying. So there's that, you know, the vision and then there's the desire. And then she acts on it. And not only does she act on it for herself, but then she also you know, offers it to her husband, to Adam. So she's not only, you know, led astray, she's leading others astray with her. And then with that comes that shame, that kind of, you know, realization that they're exposed. And, you know, the kind of guilt that they feel afterward, I think is really significant because that's kind of a sign that we all feel, you know, when you sin, you recognize it. Mm, totally. And I, I oh, this, <laughs> this passage of scripture is so incredibly deep. We're running out of time. We're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit more about it after this song.
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Janae. You're listening to Faith FM Radio. And um, we've got, do we know what our giveaway is? Uh, dun, dun, dun. For question out. of the week, we've got a giveaway coming up. It's a surprise. But oh. before we tell you what it is, I'll tell you what the number is to call while we get the detail up. So uh, you can call in with any of your questions. We'd love to hear from you. We'll try and answer those questions during our question of the week portion. It's an opportunity for us to interact with you and your your biblical questions, spiritual questions. And you can send in any question, big or small, to 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's one 800 324 Eight four three, or you can text us at zero four nine one zero six four double six nine. That's zero four nine one zero six four double six nine. And uh, oh, the details oh, are loading. We just oh, got it. Justin. So the giveaway is a book called Journey Through the Bible, uh, Part One, from Genesis to Job by Ken Wade. So it looks really interesting. It's a study of the history, significance, and meaning of every book of the Bible from Genesis to Job. So Woo! that's, a, that's a solid amount of information. Yep. That's some cool stuff. I love that it's got Job because Job is a heavy book, super mm. interesting book. So yeah, call in, text in with your questions, and you can get your hands on that if you're the first caller in today. All right, so we were just in Genesis chapter 3. We've just read verse 7 and 8. And before we move on from that verse, it's just really worth noting. I love what you said there, Janae, before the break, that when, you know, when, when sin takes place, it's not only something that impacts you, mm. but by by default, what we tend to do in, when we commit sin or some evil or some other act of selfishness, we tend to draw other people into it. Right. Right? We try, and usually I think that's part of it's because of guilt. We don't want to be mm, feeling alone. it alone. <laughs> so we want someone else to share it with us so that we feel like we've got somebody on our side. Mm. And that's exactly what happens. And some people don't, I don't, we don't talk about this very much, but what Adam does here is Adam does something that's even worse than what Eve does. Because right. think about this. When God spoke the words, don't eat from that tree, eat from every tree except that one. Mm. He spoke that before Eve existed. Right. So the woman did not exist in the story yet. She would have heard it maybe from God or maybe regurgitated from Adam. Mm -hmm. But she was not the person who was given the command first of all. Adam was. She was deceived by the serpent and she bought the lie and she gave in. But Adam wasn't deceived by the serpent. He was mm -hmm. brought this by the woman who appears and, you know, seemingly she hasn't died right away. So maybe who, who am I going to believe? But he would have known Oh, no. Mm. The one that I love has disobeyed. And he chooses, instead of saying, oh, man, let me go to God with the problem. <laughs> let me go to God and try and intercede on her behalf. Protect, say, hey, can, I, can, can you take me instead of her, which he should have done. Right. Instead of going to God and saying, is there a way to fix this? Instead of going to God with the problem, he goes and buys into the problem. Mm. And he says, I've got to align myself with her because I can't live without her. And he chooses the woman over God. Right. And we don't talk about that very often, but this is a huge problem. And if you're thinking about this in a relational context, we should never be willing to choose our partner over our, our allegiance to our partner over our allegiance to God mm -hmm. in the sense that we will have more allegiance towards our partner in a healthy way if our allegiance to God is first. Right. I can only love my wife the best that I can ever love her if I love Jesus more than I love her. Mm. If I love her more than I love Jesus, by default, I can't 
I, I hit a glass ceiling, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I can't love her as much as I should mm-hmm. because my love for God should be higher. Right. And I, think, I just think it's super fascinating what's happening in the story. But his act of worship, his act of disobedience is saying, not nah, I'm choosing, knowing what's what God said, knowing what's happened, I'm choosing her over you. Mm-hmm. And that's fascinating and terrible. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, but the last thing that I want to say on this before we move on is simply this. They realize that they are naked, and mm-hmm. sin separates. When they realize their nakedness, you know, they used to be naked and unashamed. They were totally vulnerable and totally secure, but now they're, they realize that they're vulnerable, and they feel totally insecure. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that they do in response to sin is the very same thing that all of us do when we experience guilt and shame. We separate ourselves from other people. We pull back. We hide. We try to cover ourselves up. And notice, what do they try and make clothes out of? Like leaves. Leaves, right? Now, how how good of a protection, how good of a cover is a fig leaf? How long is that going to last? Not very long. Not real long, right? Like you put that together, you make your little clothes, you're like, I'm going to keep myself safe and protect myself, right? We're going to hide ourselves, hide our shame, hide the source of our shame, which is what we all do. And we pull back and we we... In doing that, we create a space where you can't be vulnerable because you have to have security to be vulnerable. Right. And it's, it's not a great solution. All of our attempts at trying to cover up and fix this issue of shame and guilt, it doesn't work. Mm. It doesn't last. It falls apart. And then we've got to make some new cover. And we see this repeated in our own lives over and over. We right. try and do this to fix our shame problem. We try and do that. And when it falls apart, instead of being open and honest and dealing with it, we tend to try and find something else to do the same thing with. Mm. But it never works. Our sources of covering up our guilt and shame never are effective. Right. But we're going to find something that is effective later in the story. Mm. Awesome. So let's keep reading. All right. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Awesome. So question, here's a question for you. They've separated themselves from each other by sewing sewing fig leaf clothes. Then God comes into the garden, and they hear him. Mm. Right? Isn't it amazing that God comes in? Now, here's the question. If Satan's lie, if the serpent's lie was true, right. how do you, how would you expect God to be coming into this scene? Coming in, you know, raging with raging, anger. right? Like <laughs> thunderbolts and lightning and fire from the sky. That's what you'd expect. But how does uh-huh. God come in? He comes in walking okay. in the cool of the evening with the wind. And he just comes and he looks. And what do they do? They hide. They hide. Can you hide from God? No. Of course not. Can you hide from God behind a tree? Definitely not. Even more ludicrous, right? (laughs) And so they go and they hide. But what's God's approach? Does God know where they are? Of course. Of course he does. God knows everything. He sees everything. He's omnipotent. In in other words, all-powerful, omnipresent. He can be anywhere at any time, all the Mm -hmm. time, right? He knows all things, omniscience. How does God come in? And what is the first thing that God does, even though he already knows? Uh, He walks in and he asks where they are. He asks a question. A question that will allow for self-disclosure. He's providing opportunity for them to confess. Come clean, yeah. To acknowledge their guilt. To vulnerably take responsibility and accountability for their actions. Do they? No. No. What does he say? He says, oh, oh, I heard you and I was scared and I was naked so I hid. (laughs) Yeah. Right? (laughs) Now, at this point, God already knows all this. Mm -hmm. But notice how God responds. Let's read verse 11. All right. And he said, who told you that you were naked? 
Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Isn't that interesting? So what does God say? He doesn't say, boom, you're done. Slapped you. You're done. We're going to kill you. He doesn't say any of that stuff. He says, hey, what's going on? Mm -hmm. How did you know you were naked? Yeah. You know, it, it just reminds me of a parent who comes home and nobody's home except the parent and the child. And the, you know, they said, hey, don't eat those cookies. The cookies are on the shelf. Don't eat them. The parent comes in. The cookies are gone. There's no other pets. There's no other people. Mm-hmm. No one. Who ate the cookies? <laughs> the kid ate the cookies, right. right? You know it. You walk in. But why do we do this as parents? We come in and we ask for the opportunity for self-disclosure, for right. repentance to take place. And this is the same way that God operates mm-hmm. with the first sin of humanity. And he operates and he's asking questions. He's investigating. He doesn't investigate before he pronounces judgment for his own benefit. Right. He's doing it for the benefit of others. Isn't yeah. that fascinating? I think it gives like a really great picture of a relational God. Mm. Like you see that, you know, they've sinned, they've failed, and he knows that. And yet he continues to give them these opportunities because he wants to continue that relationship with him. And I think that's a great example for now and today. When we sin and when we fail, God still wants to have a relationship with us. And it doesn't change, you know, how he feels about us, you know, rather it changes, you know, our own perspectives. Um, and if anything, that's only hurting ourselves. Totally. And notice who is the first person to make the first move here? God and then Adam. God makes the first move, mm-hmm. right? God's coming in looking for them. Right. They're the ones running away. And isn't that the way it is with all of us? Mm-hmm. Right? I love what you're saying there, Janae. Great point. Super good. All right. So he asked the question, how does the woman respond? All right. The man said, the woman. Oh, you the put, man, sorry. Yep. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Oh, man. So what's his response? Is he, like, accepting accountability? <laughs> Definitely not. He goes and blames other people. Right? And who's he blaming? His wife. He blames the woman. And then who does he blame for giving him the woman? God. He blames God. So ultimately, God comes in and says, hey, what's going on? Why are you hiding? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm naked. I'm afraid. Oh, why are you, how'd you know you were naked? Did you eat from, did you do what I said not to do? And he no. says, oh, yeah, yeah. I, the woman that you made... Mm. In other words, you made me a defective wife. It's her fault. And then right. she gave me, and, and she's got a problem, and then uh, and then I ate, right? Mm. And isn't this often the way? Instead of accepting responsibility and accountability for our actions, we often are trying to just blame other people and justify it. The reason that I did this, this right. heinous thing mm. is because somebody else was responsible, mm-hmm. right? But it's when we are willing to accept responsibility for our actions that we can really experience healing. Mm. It's powerful stuff, man. All right, let's keep reading. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Wow. Same thing. So does the Mm. woman take responsibility? (laughs) Not at all. She's like, hey, that dude right over there, that little serpent, that's that's the reason this all happened. It's not because of me. And then I ate, right? Mm. And so we see this pattern of blame. And what we're seeing here is really a pattern that we see repeated in our lives all the time. We yep. we fall short, we sin, we choose to do the wrong things, we experience the shame and the guilt that comes from it, we separate ourselves from each other and try and hide and stuff the problem down because we can't deal with it. And instead of accepting responsibility, we play the blame game, mm. and then we push ourselves away further from each other and away from God, and we're hiding from the problem and trying to pretend that we're all okay. Yeah. But that doesn't solve anything. Mm. It just complicates matters. Right. But then God takes the story to the next person. And so what does God say to the serpent? And this is fascinating. What mm. we're about to see in verses 13 through 15, or 14 and 15, rather, mm-hmm. is 
an incredible prophecy that God makes is the first prophecy about Jesus. Right. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, curse are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. I don't know if you guys heard that, but this is one of the most significant things that happens. I like to describe the first three chapters of of Genesis as the good, the bad, and the gospel, Mm. right? Like Kind of like the good, the bad, and the ugly, but instead of it being ugly, it's the good news, right? The good, the bad, and the gospel. The good is Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God makes perfect people in a perfect world, and it's everything's in perfect harmony. Chapter 2, we see that happening it's still good everything's good chapter three we've got the bad Mm. the bad news is that we chose to believe satan over believing god and we said we're going to take the path of selfishness and lifting ourselves up at the expense of others Mm. we're going to try that way and that results in death it results in chaos right Mm. but notice what happens here in verse 15 god gives an incredible statement he says here something amazing he says hey talking to the snake first of all you're cursed more than all cattle you're going to slither on your belly from now on mm. you know this is kind of like a symbol to the world to remind you of this story to remind you of what's going on in the world but then he says this i will put enmity what is enmity you heard of that word before like disagreement conflict conflict right i'm going to put you at odds mm. at the moment adam and eve the man and the woman are in they're not in conflict with the devil they're actually no. in in concert with the devil they're they're following his ways mm. but in God's grace he says i'm going to put conflict between you and the woman mm-hmm. right between you and humanity there's going to be there's going to be this conflict this enmity god is giving us a gift here right you ever right. when you do something wrong and you can feel that sense of mm-hmm. guilt yes. that's what that is mm-hmm. right Without that, without that gift, we would never ever even want to acknowledge or consider that. We would just go on with the wrong thing forever without even thinking twice about it, right? But he Mm -hmm. says, I'll put enmity between you. And then he says this, and and between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. Now, what's noticeable about that offspring seed, the word in the Hebrew is singular, Okay. right? Not just the woman's offspring, plural, all of them, but this is a prophecy about one human being who's going to come, and that human being is Jesus Christ. And it says this. This is so profound. It says, he, this human being that's going to come from the womb of the woman, is going to crush your head, Mm. right? And in the process, you shall bruise his heel. You know, when somebody steps on a snake, right, you hit the head with your foot, it hurts you. Right. But it kills the snake, right? Mm-hmm. And what's being said here is that the saving of mankind is going to come through a, a God becoming a human being who's going to destroy the work of the serpent. But in the process, he himself is going to be wounded. This is Rachel McMath. He gave himself. the fall of men God had a perfect plan to fellowship with us was his desire but Adam disobeyed to sin became a slave now a perfect sacrifice would be required 
offering must be made. The sin debt must be paid, so God and man can reconciled be. So Jesus said, "I'll go," because He loved me so. He shed His blood to pay sin's penalty. To Real Faith with Robbie and Janae. You're listening to Faith FM Radio. And uh, before we get back into our Bible study, one more shameless plug. There is still time. Still yes. time to get your questions in for Question of the Week. And today we've got a free giveaway. And what's yes, our giveaway today? So our giveaway today is Journey Through the Bible from Genesis to Job. And it's just a really great, you know, kind of commentary um, and study of the history all the way from Genesis to Job. Um, 
And I think it'll be a really, really great gift. All you have to do is call us at 1-800-FAITH-FM. That is 1-800-324-843. Or you can text us at 0491-064-669. Beautiful. Like a professional. <laughs> so good. So we're super excited. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you. And you can still get those in. And in fact, just a reminder that if you're not able to get it in on time for today's question of the week, you can send them at any other time. Just let them know it's for uh, for real faith, and uh, they'll get them to us during the week, and we can get to them the next in the next episode. So we'd love to hear awesome. from you. Please make sure you get those in, and uh, we're getting right back into it. So we've just read Genesis three fifteen, which is the very first mm. messianic prophecy. In other words, prophecy about the coming Messiah. And I'd love this because. It's just, it's just so profound that God comes in, humanity falls, they, they choose to, to go the path of Satan rather than the path of obedience. Rather than trusting in God, they trust in the devil. And when they experience the fallout of that, and they're distancing themselves from each other and distancing themselves from God, God comes in, not in a posture of aggression, not in a posture of punishment, but in a posture of searching and questioning for the sake of their salvation. Mm. And in the midst of that, they're all doing the wrong thing. They're not even acknowledging what's going on. They're not in a posture of repentance that we can see. They're blaming each other. And in the midst of this, God makes a promise. Mm. And he says, all right, I want you to just know that I'm putting enmity between the serpent and the woman, and between the serpent's seed and the woman's seed, there's going to be a Messiah coming. And not only a Messiah, but a Messiah that's going to be born as a human being. And this one is going to be the one who will crush the serpent. Right. And in that process, he himself will be wounded, permanently wounded. Mm. And this is going to be for the saving of mankind. And I love this. It is so deeply profound. The reality is that you can find the whole story of Scripture boiled down in the first three chapters of Genesis. Absolutely. Right? Mm. And the rest of Scripture is essentially commenting on or expanding on the ideas that are right here in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And the story of salvation starts right there. Mm. Right there. And we see the character of God on full display because this is really what the, 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 the lie that Satan was putting out there was about. It's about whether God is telling the truth mm. and is actually who he says he is. Is he love? Is he other-centered? Or is he just like the devil? Is he self-centered? Mm. And we see those two paths on full display, the character of God at the beginning, under question, under scrutiny, and he's saying, oh, I'm I'm faithful. And we see it on display in the way that he interacts with humanity. 100%. So he curses the serpent, right? Mm-hmm. But what does he do about the others? So let's keep reading Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. Right. So the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. All right. So notice something. There are consequences to all of our actions, whether right. those consequences are good, bad, or otherwise. Mm-hmm. And the consequences that are coming in here is God says, hey, look, childbearing is going to be a painful thing. Right? It wasn't going to be painful beforehand. This is just a consequence of what's going on. This is an outflow. Mm. But notice that, does God curse the woman? No. Absolutely not. Notice God curses the serpent, but he mm-hmm. does not curse the woman. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? He's generous here, and he's he's being... He's, he's not here to curse and to wound humanity. He's here to save them. Right. Notice also, your desire shall be for your husband, 
and he shall rule over you. Where before there was a total equality, mm. right? Woman is taken from the side of man, not above, not from the head to be above him, not from the foot to be below him. They're, they're in total equal capacity, right? Mm-hmm. Now he's saying, well, in a perfect world where everybody is humble and self selfless, other-centered, that all works. Right. But now that everybody's operating for their own well-being and their own gain, having two people in total agreement is basically impossible. Right. <laughs> and so he says there's going to be a there's going to be a power imbalance that's going to mm-hmm. naturally start to take place. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, I think it's interesting also because, you know, he doesn't say the woman is no longer, you know, isn't of value anymore oh, or that she's valued less. Um, he's really just talking about how in society, and we can definitely see that today, um, in all of the kind of movements that you see just um, taking over the news, that, you know, there's this inequality. Mm. And it doesn't mean that, you know, you have more or less value based on your gender. It merely means that society looks at you differently. It means that, you know, it, as you said, there will be that power imbalance that, will be evident, you know, in all aspects of life. Yeah, totally. And we see that, right? Mm -hmm. We see it all the time. And if we were all to be a lot more selfless, it would happen so much less. Right. You know, and this is not, by the way, an an encouragement of abuse of any power Mm -hmm. or role or any of those things. As we see later in Scripture, when it talks about humanity's connection relationally, it talks about how a a man in a marriage relationship, for example, should be willing to put his life down for the Mm. salvation, the the lifting up of his wife, and that a woman should be acting in love towards her husband for the same purpose, right? Mm -hmm. So we see this this pattern being displayed, but there's this there's this reality that you're talking about here that we see evidenced all around us, isn't right. it? All right. And what happens then? What how does God speak to the man? So let's read seventeen through nineteen. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all of the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Whew, heavy words, right? Mm-hmm. But notice, it says here he cursed something, but was right. it the man? No, it was the ground. So why does God curse the ground? Any thoughts on that? I mean, I think it... It comes down to the choices, right, that they made back at the tree. And um, obviously he decides that as a relational God, that despite the mistakes they made, um, he's still going to love them. He still wants that relationship and he's going to pursue it. So he's obviously not going to take it out on on the people that he created. You also see that he curses the serpent. So he's cursing the serpent and he's cursing the ground. Um, and I think that's kind of... A consequence. You can't just get away, you know, without with any without any kind of consequences. He takes it out on the things that, you know, it will be a struggle for them, but ultimately it won't, you know, break them down to the point where they can't love God anymore. Mm, totally. Such a good thought. One thing that I think is really fascinating in here too is notice he also doesn't curse work, right? right. Sometimes work can feel like a curse, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, man, oh, this is so this is so bad, but notice that everything that God is doing here is for the benefit of mankind. One, mm-hmm. he says, I'm making a way to fix the problem. Right. And that's going to look like Messiah mm-hmm. being born as a human being, defeating the devil. Point number two, he says, hey, relationships are going to be difficult. That's just reality, but mm-hmm. you're going to be able to work this stuff out yeah. by following these things, right? And then he comes in and he says, hey, work is not cursed. Mm. Now, the ground is cursed. You work is just as much a blessing now as it was before, mm-hmm. right? Work was always a part of what was going to go on. A sense of purpose, 
doing something, creating things. This is all a part of what it means to be a human being. And God doesn't curse that, but he says, look, your work used to be really easy in comparison, Mm -hmm. but now it's going to be a lot harder. And sometimes people look at that and they think, man, oh, that's, that's a bummer. But actually what God is doing is he's giving them an enormous blessing because the reality is, you know, if you've heard idle hands or the devil's workshop, right? Right. Or the, you know, this, this idea that idleness tends to lead us into negativity. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reality that, that happens when we, when we have a lot of idleness where we get bored. And when you're bored, what are you going to do? And so the mind wanders. And we often find that people who are bored tend to not know what to do with themselves. And if right. they don't find a productive way to, to use their energy, then they'll use it in negative ways. Oh, yeah, 100%. Right? So having a sense of purpose is huge. So God right. says, hey, work's going to be harder. Why? Because it's going to keep you occupied, and it's actually a safeguard to help keep you from falling into more evil. Right. Because if you're busy working just to try and survive and make all this stuff happen, it's actually going to occupy you. It's going to help, you know, exercise. It's a part of what work is going to do. Mm-hmm. It's going to be good for your mind, for your body, for your spirit. Right? It's going to be good for you. It's going to be hard but sacrifice and difficulty is good for human development. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So sometimes we look at this and we're like, oh, this is a huge bummer, but it's actually a blessing in disguise. Right. And I think that's fascinating. Notice also, here's a, a fun fact for all you health nuts out there. Um, this is a, not, not a bad thing, by the way. Health <laughs> is good. Notice the original diet was basically fruits and grains, pretty mm-hmm. much. But notice that here in Genesis 3.18, it says, Both thorns and thistles the ground will bring forth, and you shall eat the herb of the field. This is the introduction of vegetables into the diet. Isn't that fascinating? Mm -hmm. So all you guys out there that are like, man, I hate eating my veggies. Well, guess what, kids? It's okay. We need the veggies. They give us nutrients that we need (laughs) in a sinful world. And when you think about eternity and you're like, oh, in heaven, I don't want to eat any more cauliflower or whatever, you know. Your particular lima beans, that's the one I don't like. Oh, really? Yeah, I can't eat lima beans. They're not my favorite. <laughs> but in heaven, you won't have to eat that no more, right? You know what right. I mean? Mm-hmm. Because it'll be back to fruit and grains. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nuts and seeds. Love it. But that, you see that introduction. What's interesting mm-hmm. there is, you know, it, it, some people speculate, well, why were, why were vegetables introduced? One of the interesting thoughts is, well, you, you actually get a lot of health benefits from vegetables and your body now in a sinful world is breaking down. Mm. Or it wasn't breaking down before, so you need extra nutrients. Right. Isn't that amazing that God yeah. introduces these things at the right time for mm. the right reasons? All right, let's keep reading. Okay. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. Oh, so this is so cool. Just let's stop and make, mm-hmm. make a point. What was what was the woman called in Genesis chapter 2? She was called woman. Right. Right? In Hebrew, Isha. And here it says Adam called his wife's name Eve. Do you know what Eve means? No, what does it mean? Eve means life. Wow. Now think about this. This is super profound. Of all the things that Adam could rename his wife after this experience, think mm-hmm. of all the things that you might be coming to your mind. You've gone from perfection. Now you're in a sinful world. Everything's hard. This is difficult. And this other person was the person who came and <laughs> offered you the fruit. You chose to partake, mm-hmm. but it would be very easy to play the blame game again, right? Mm-hmm. Can you think of what, what kind of names do you think you'd want to give to this person? Um, annoying, um, unfaithful. <laughs> you know, death. <laughs> Sadness. <laughs> yeah, <right>. Grief. <laughs> Source of my, you know, bane of my existence, anguish, right? But notice, Adam 
understands the significance of the prophecy mm-hmm. and he names his wife who is the one from whom children will come and eventually one of these children will be the Messiah who will rescue them from death and from sin. He says, I'm going to name you life. life. That's because powerful. Because from you, God is going to bring life to us who mm. have just become the slaves of death. Wow. Isn't that profound? Mm. You want to talk about the way that you know, inequality takes place in, in between genders, uh-huh. which is a huge issue. Notice what Adam's doing. Adam's now starting to man up and take the responsibility mm-hmm. that he should. And what's the first thing that he does? He says, I'm going to name you properly what you should be called, right? what you can become, mm-hmm. what you will contribute, not what you've done, not the harmful acts of the past. No, no, you are going to be called life because mm-hmm. you're the mother of all living. Mm-hmm. And from you, life is going to come. Mm-hmm. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, oh. for sure. Oh, Definitely. So good. <laughs> I love it. All right, let's keep reading. We're running out of time, but there's so much good stuff to say. Right. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the Tree of Life. Awesome. What jumps out to you there? Um, I think... And by the way, what's a cherubim? Little angels. Angels, right? Okay. (laughs) I think what jumps out to me probably the most is that he closed them, right? With an animal. Um, And... Obviously, in order to clothe them with the skin of an animal, you have to kill them. And I think that represents, you know, salvation um, and what Jesus is going to what's going to come down the line for us, the suffering and the, the death that Jesus will have to experience. But, you know, through these clothes, um, you know, it's symbolized in a way that they can understand and something that is real to them. I love it. And as opposed to the things that we that the, that they went to cover themselves with, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to deal with my guilt and shame by covering it up with these fig leaves that will never last or never work. God creates for them clothing of skins that come at mm-hmm. the cost that someone is willing to give their life to clothe you permanently. Absolutely. Whew. Powerful. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Did you know that 80% of Faith FM's operating budget comes from supporters like you? It takes 700 people just like you giving just a dollar a day to keep us running. Visit faithfm.com.au slash donate and partner with Faith FM today. And for just a dollar a day, together, we can reach Australia with life-changing messages of hope. Yes, I've just found a great op shop in Albury. Really? Where is it? It's the Adra Op Shop at 805 David Street. They have all these cool clothes for the whole family and great stuff for the house as well. And the people there are so friendly, they love a chat. <laughs> Sounds good. It gets better. If you mention you heard this ad on Faith FM, you can fill a bag of clothes for just $5. Well, I'm in. When is it open? They're open every Wednesday and Thursday from 9 to 3. Looks like we'll have to make a date. Remember, it's the Adra Op Shop at 805 David Street. I'll see you there next week. This is a rerun of Real Faith. Make sure you join Thursdays at 3.30 for the live show. This young girl traveling in this confusing 
world with a burden on her shoulders lost inside wondering if this is all she has feeling so alone this young man thinks he's got it figured out and planned with everything he knows confident living self-assured his five-year plan but does he really know what his future holds as they walk down the different paths a quiet voice whispers in their heads
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Janae. You are listening to Faith FM Radio, and uh, it's come that time of the radio show for something. What what time is it? Oh, question of the week. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's just such a bright and fun way to start our question of the week session. Of course. Especially because sometimes the questions are so, you know, so serious, and it, it's kind of... It's great to start off positive before we get into the depth of what we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got two questions in today. So thank you to Aaron and to Margie for your questions. Our first question comes from um, Aaron. And the question is, how do we go on believing in Jesus when we don't see him? Mm-hmm. Have you got any thoughts to share with us, Janae? Yes, yeah, so I think, I, first of all, I just think it's a great question. And it's definitely something that we should all kind of reconsider in our own, you know, whether you have a personal relationship with Jesus or not. And I think it comes down to faith. And uh, faith is believing even when you can't see something. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of really speaks to the question today. And so there's just this Bible verse that I thought um, was really relevant. It's from John uh, 20, verse 29. And it says, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Um, and so I think it just... You know, it's perfect uh, for this question. Real th- faith comes from hearing the word of Christ. Um, and God has given us the, the gospel, um, the Bible, as you know, that ultimate truth. Um, whether you accept that truth or not, you know, is a whole different kettle of fish. But, you know, it's there for you. Um, and, you know, doesn't mean you have to believe it. As we were talking about earlier, God, these kind of things, um, God definitely doesn't force on us. But um, he gives us that option um, and, y- you know, that that's really what it is. It's about faith. Yeah, totally. That's a great a great thought. And just to carry that on a little bit further, even um, John chapter one tells us that Jesus is the Word made flesh, mm-hmm. right? And so, like you're saying, time in Scripture can be one of the ways that we can connect in Jesus. And you know, my wife and I, when we were dating, we did a couple of years of long distance at different points, and that's really hard because mm-hmm. when you don't see someone, it makes it difficult. To maintain that relationship. Um, but one of the things that I found really helpful when I spent time living overseas from my family, you know, there's long distance uh, again from loved ones in the relationship is ways to connect. And I see scripture a little bit like love letters, you know, Mm. it's communication from God to us. And I think in the absence of someone being physically present, we can still continue to go and believing them and getting to know them by getting to know what they were like. Mm. what they are like by stories about them can can keep that alive in us so scripture is a huge one Mm. and i think another one that is really really powerful is prayer absolutely and prayer is something that i think so many people experience prayer kind of like this like dear god thanks for dinner it's great here's my problems please fix them bye Mm. and then they it's like good night oh thanks for this please give me that bye Mm. no relationship operates healthfully if that's the 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 way the conversation is always going and one thing that i think has been this has been personally very helpful for me in in this question of how do i relate to god how do i keep having a relationship with god and believe in him even though i can't see him and that's not just information not just knowledge of stories not just information that says hey well this this is true um, but also the ability to actually go alone to a space where I can speak out loud my heart to God and I can say to God, hey, this is where I'm at. 
these are the problems I'm really facing. I don't know what to do with them. Mm. Hey, God, this is what I'm stoked on in life. Thank you for this. Um, I'm just so excited about this. Um, just those opportunities to really communicate honestly about the highs, the lows, the joys, the fears of life, and to speak them out loud to God, I find mm. personally has been one of the most powerful and transcendent things I've experienced in my life to help me in my faith in God. So I think that's a huge one. Um, a couple other things that, that I think are valuable is when we, the Bible says that when we pray, we should pray with thanksgiving right. and we should praise God and we should tell people when we come together in gatherings of faith that we should praise God together. We should mm-hmm. say things about who God is. You'll see that through the Psalms. And I think as we talk of Jesus, it makes our faith more real. Mm-hmm. That, that can be sharing with people who don't believe in Jesus or don't know Jesus, but also just gathering together with other believers is a very helpful thing. You know, the Bible tells us that we as believers, as followers of Jesus, we are the body of Christ. We are an embodiment when we live out God's will in this world that, that kind of shows that God is real. Mm-hmm. The change that you see in someone else's story and someone else's life is an encouragement that the, that what you're believing in is bigger than just you. It is actually real. Right. So like today hearing in Hickey's story, it's just really revitalizing to my faith. Man, look what God has done for you. If God has done that for you, he can do that stuff for me. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of the reasons for faith, communities of faith, I should say, mm-hmm. for church. Not just church program, but church community. Mm-hmm. I think that's another one. So, yeah. That's great. Awesome. Thanks for your question, Aaron. I hope that's helpful to you. Please feel free to send in some more if, if you'd like some more on that. Our second question today comes from uh, it comes from Margie. Thank you for your question, Margie. And the question goes, sinners and Satan will experience the second death. Is this when the fallen angels will die a first or a second death? So in other words, we know that at the end of time, Scripture tells us that the devil will be destroyed permanently. We know that at the end of time, those who say, I don't want to be saved, I refuse all of that, will be destroyed permanently as well Mm -hmm. Um, it's called the second death in scripture um, particularly in revelation and so what happens because in revelation chapter 20 uh, it does not mention specifically the fallen angels it talks about the wicked it talks about them being lost and being destroyed it talks about the devil specifically being destroyed but doesn't specifically mention fallen angels so this is a great question margie there's two places that we'll go to look at this um, to confirm that Scripture points towards the fallen angels or demons, as they might also be referred to, are destroyed at that same time in that same way. And the first one is from Jude. There's only one chapter in in Jude, so it's Jude verse 6. And it says this, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, a.k.a. fallen angels who followed Satan, but they left their own abode, that is heaven, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Speaking of the day of judgment, the white throne judgment we see in Revelation 20. So there's one other verse that I'll I'll give to to back this up as well, and this comes from 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. It says, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to, and the English translation here is hell, but the Greek word I believe is Tartarus, um, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. 
And then it goes on to talk about the destruction that's going to happen. Um, so that, that kind of confirms that idea. Mm. So hopefully that helps answer your question there, Margie, that this is pointing towards saying that the fallen angels will be destroyed at the same time as the devil will be destroyed and the wicked at the end of time. So hopefully that's helpful to you. Thank you guys for your questions. Keep them coming. And this is Micah Tyler, Different. I don't want to hear anymore Teach me to listen I don't want to see anymore Give me a vision That you could move this heart To be set apart I don't need to recognize The man in the mirror Cause I don't want to trade your plans For something familiar can't waste a day, and I can't stay the same. I wanna be different, I wanna be changed. Till all of me is gone, and all that remains is a fire so bright. The whole world can see that there's something different to come and be.
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Janae. You're listening to Faith FM Radio, and we've come towards the end of our show, and we're going to try and just draw out some some real-life applications from this passage of Scripture. There's so much to be said. We could keep studying this for years. Mm. <laughs> it's funny. I have studied the first three chapters of Genesis over and over in the last 16 years of following Jesus, and um, man, it, there's just I keep finding new things. It's amazing. Well, so what what can we draw out of today's study? Any any real-life applications? Right. So I kind of think of, you know, this kind of fall, right? Um, This introduction of sin as like a disease. So just hear me out. We've got the problem, which is sin. Um, Obviously, that's the the underlying thing that's causing all of the issues. And then after that, we experience suffering as the consequences of sin. So you can kind of think of that as, you know, once you get the disease, there's all these complications. Um, And the complications are the suffering that you know, we have to endure and that we have to experience as a result of, as a result of the sin. However, the great news is that there is a solution and ultimately that solution is Jesus Christ. And I think God kind of reveals all of this to Adam and to us as well as we read it, not to, you know, to make him downhearted um, or to, you know, bring fear into his life, but rather just to bring joy into his life, into a life of sin that, you know, there's good news. There's something better coming. Um, and we can have hope in that and we can look forward to that day. Totally. We all need something to hope for mm-hmm. fully. Um, another thing that I really like at, that comes out of this story is some relationship advice. Um, notice that when they put themselves first, it results in terrible consequences. Right. <laughs> but notice after God, well, well number one, get you, get your relationship with Jesus as as point number one, mm-hmm. if you're connecting to God, you're going to be much more effective in your relationships. Notice that Adam, after the fall, after the curses are given out of everything and the consequences, notice that Adam calls his wife life. Mm. Notice that af- as he's connected to God, he puts God first in this instance. There's a, there's this is evidence of repentance. He speaks belief into the life of his wife, mm. and I think this this is just a huge lesson for all people who are in any kind of relationship. You need to speak belief into your partner. You need to speak belief into your children. You need to speak belief into your friends because they need to know that there's hope for them too. And it's when we help others to see the best in them that they can trust us to be vulnerable and we can create healthy levels of intimacy. We can create better lives by creating that space. Mm -hmm. So speak belief into the lives of the people you love. Absolutely. Do you have any other thoughts that you want to throw out there? I think that's just a really good point that kind of summarizes what we can learn from it. And, you know, just remembering that, yes, sin does affect our everyday lives. But, you know, we have we have the Bible. And it was just really great to unpack all of this just from the, you know, the third chapter of Genesis, you know, right at the beginning of the Bible that we see a really great summary of, you know, of what life looks like for us. Yeah, totally. Something else that I really love out of this that I think is, 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 well, there's a couple of other lessons that I think we could draw out of this, but <laughs> here's another one. Um, don't try and argue with the devil and outsmart him, mm. um, especially by misquoting scriptures that you don't even know. You know what I mean? Like, this <laughs> yeah. is what, this is what Eve's doing. She's, she's trying to reason with the devil and kind of having this philosophical debate. You're, you're playing on dangerous territory there. Mm. What she should have done was, remind herself of what God had said and walked away and gone somewhere where she could think and reason, not just alone, but she had somebody that she could go and ask. Right. You know, there's Here's this accusation about God. Well, she could have gone and found, hey, Adam, let's have a conversation. What's going on mm-hmm. here? 
hey, well, let's let's hear God out and hear what he has to say and not just play this game. And I think it's just really sound advice that we should rely on God's word as it stands rather than trying to put our own spin on all the things, put our faith in God and trust in his word because his word is powerful to help us overcome temptation. Absolutely. And I think that's a really valuable lesson. Mm-hmm. Another thing, and I think this is, oh, sorry, were you going to say something? No. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I heard my chair squeak. I thought it was you talking. Um, I think that out of this story, this is one of, this is one of the lessons that I think is super applicable no matter where you're at in life. They experience guilt and shame because of sin, or in other words, because of doing something that's outside of God's will, outside of God's design, outside of God's laws, commands. Like You can call it whatever you want. Anything that's outside of God's will is, is going to lead to negativity, mm-hmm. right? And so when they experience this, they experience the consequences of sin, this falling out that takes place, their reaction is guilt. Mm-hmm. Guilt is not a bad thing in the sense that guilt is something that should trigger us to repentance, which means mm-hmm. to turn, Right. When I feel guilt because I've done something wrong, it, it makes me feel uneasy until I resolve the issue. Mm-hmm. And this is a good thing. Shame is it can be problematic. Right. Shame is when we we devalue ourselves based on what we've done. And that can be very problematic. But what do they do with their guilt and shame? Well, it's when they try and cover it up and fix it themselves and hide it and stuff it and keep it away mm-hmm. that it creates greater problems. It creates more relational issues between human beings and each other and more relational issues between human beings and God. Definitely. You can't just try and cover it up. The only way to experience healing and covering is to acknowledge reality. Yes. If you really want to experience healing and and get through shame and guilt and process and move forward, it's going to require that you acknowledge your own responsibility in it. Now, not all things that we experience shame, feelings of shame and guilt are our fault. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if somebody wrongs me, that can create sh- shame and guilt in my life that I'm not responsible for. So we need to acknowledge what is really ours, mm-hmm. acknowledge what's not ours. And this is where scripture talks about the importance of confession. Confession is acknowledging our own guilt. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, we put ourselves in a space where healing can start to take place. That's awesome. Like you gotta, you, you can't move forward if you're just gonna hide and stuff it all down. You gotta go through, through that journey of, of confession, acknowledgement, and moving on and understanding that God promises in 1 John 1 verse 9, He says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm. That's a promise from God's word. So if we confess, we truly acknowledge our guilt, we turn. He says, you're forgiven, you're covered. But you've got to be willing to do that to experience that healing. So come to Jesus with your shame and your guilt. Confess, acknowledge, and experience the forgiveness that only Jesus can bring and experience that healing. Remember, as you go throughout your week, real faith is lived faith.